Hey, welcome to Grace and welcome to Grace Online specifically. So glad that you've taken the time to actually show up and uh, invest in your spiritual journey. We're going to continue a series that we started a few weeks ago, and it's the series of Advent. Now, I'm not sure how you grew up, but based on how you grew up, you'll know Advent a different way. For some of you, it's a foreign concept. For others, it's something you've been used to, especially if you grew up in more of a traditional church setting. Uh, during the season of Advent, we typically celebrate the Advent wreath. And it's one of the ways, you can do this at home as well, uh, but it's one of the ways that we are reminded of what God has promised and why we're getting excited. Now, Advent by its very nature means coming. And it, for a long time inside the history of the church, we've prepared for the coming of Christ, both his first coming, which is what we celebrate at Christmas, but also his return where he's promised to come again and make all things new and all things right within his church. And so the first week we talked about hope and we lit the candle of hope. And what we talked about when we talked about hope was that no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening in your life, there is hope. We're going to talk a little bit about that again today and connect it to the concept of joy. And then the second week, we looked at the concept of love and that God's love is broad. It's for the whole world, everyone in it, regardless of the people group, regardless of your ethnic background, regardless of where you live, regardless of what you look like, male, female, no matter what's going on in your life, the reality is God's love is available and open to everyone. And he wants his church especially to be able to share that. And we talked about gaining some momentum toward the concept of an invite. Well, today we have the beauty of talking about Joy, joy. And so as we talk about joy, we're going to look at how joy is actually very different than happiness. Uh, one of the things I've been enjoying, and if you haven't done it with us, I'll ask uh, Dan Dobson, who's our, our director of online. He's the guy chatting with you right now, prays with you. I love Dan, love what his heart for online ministry, as well as his heart for prayer. Uh, but there's a, a devotion he can post right now by clicking one of the buttons. And in that devotion, if you want to participate with us, we've been going through an Advent devotion. It's a Christmas devotion. And I love uh, reading and seeing how God is at work as we think about his word. And I love this year's devotion because it connects things like the Advent wreath, the Christmas tree, um, different uh, traditions and things that maybe we see all the time, but we've never connected the meaning of how those are connected to Christmas. And so I'd love for you to be able to do that. So as we move forward again, we're going to talk today about joy. So happiness versus joy is one of the things I want to kind of present to you as we think about this at the beginning. You know, happiness is something I think all of us can relate to, but we don't typically use the word joy today, and we don't typically understand the depth of what joy really is. You see, happiness, let me give you some examples. Happiness is based on our circumstances, right? Certain things happen, and we become happy in that season for that little brief component. But joy is grounded in something deeper. It's grounded in truth and something that, that anchors us to something that we just know to the core of our very being, and it cannot be shaken. Happiness is an emotion, obviously, connected to that. But joy is a state of being. It's a very state of being. So it, again, it's not shakable as easily as happiness, which is connected to an emotion. Happiness is literally about us. It's generally focused on us. Now, of course, we can give happiness to others based on those pieces, but generally it's focused not only externally, but it's, it, it's also focused on us and that emotion where joy is typically connected to something that is sacrificial. 
something that's sacrificial, something that costs us something. And as we invest in it, joy is what's grounded. And here's another reality. Happiness can be stolen from you. Like happiness can be stolen, right? Some of you that live in different parts of the world, different parts of our nation, maybe that's something that's happened this year. It's been stolen based on circumstances or situations or maybe the government. I don't know your situation, but I know that happiness can be taken. It can be stolen, but joy cannot be taken. It has to be surrendered for you to lose it. So it's something that's more deep and certainly it's something more grounded and something that we need in this season, especially as we enter into the Advent and Christmas season. So if you've got a Bible, open it up. You can use the app. Uh, but Romans 15, 12 through 13, Dan can copy that and post, post that in the chat or the notes if you'd like. But here's what God's Word says around these concepts, but specifically around the concept of joy. So we're going to look at Romans 15, starting in verse 12. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up and who, and will spring up, sorry. The root of Jesse will spring up. One who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in this critical verse in Isaiah, we're given some pretty interesting things. And of course, this is connected to a very Old Testament concept. It's connected to a Jewish book of the Bible where Isaiah was talking about the promise of the coming Messiah. And as he talked about the promise of this coming Messiah, there's some things that apply not only to our concept of joy in the Advent, but also apply specifically to an understanding of, the, of, of who Jesus is. And so one of the first thing I want to present to you is at the root of joy, at the very root of joy, based on this passage of Isaiah that's being referred to in the book of Romans is the concept of praise. It's the concept of praise. Now, as you think about this, think about the fact that the apostle Paul, who is a Jew, is writing to people in Rome. He's specifically writing to more, more than likely, we believe, uh, mainly a Jewish church in Rome. But of course, he understands that the, uh, the audience there in Rome will be broader. And one of the things he's trying to connect to this is that the root of joy is praise. It's, it's worship, in other words. It's something, again, that takes us from internal focus to an external focus. And joy, again, is something he wants for them to have and be grounded. So let me look at this from the perspective of when we praise God, when we worship God, we put our focus on him, especially in this season, certain things come to us with regard to joy. So praise God for these things, and you'll begin to see joy grounded in your life. Here's the first thing. Praise him for his promises. Praise God for his promises. And let's look at this passage again, break it down. And, the, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse, that's David's line. In other words, the thing that's coming, which is Christ, will spring up. So what they knew that maybe we don't understand, especially with regard to a Jewish background, is that they were waiting for a long time for the coming of the Messiah. In fact, Israel's history is one of waiting for the Messiah for over 700 years at, at this point, from the moment that Isaiah gave this promise. And this is what Paul's referring back to in the book of Romans. There's also a 400 gap from the last Old Testament prophet that they have until the day of Jesus. So there's a long wait period between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise for the Jewish people. Now, why is this important? You need to understand that part of Israel's history had been a lot of complaining. 
What they really were known for was not their praising. It wasn't their worship. It wasn't their grounding in the promises of God. What they were really known for was their complaining. They were good at it. In fact, I would say they were professional complainers. And maybe you met some people like that. They're good at finding fault in everything. My father used to say that some people would complain if they were hung with a new rope. And the reality is, is when you look at the situation, what you find is while they've been promised this Messiah, while they should be excited about his coming, while they should be looking for his coming, what they were really doing was complaining. In the same passage out of Romans where he's quoting Isaiah, he says, this is one who's going to rule and arise and rule over all the nations. So out of this root of Jesse, Jesus, who's coming through the root of Jesse, which is the line of David, is one who's coming who will not only bring Israel hope and not only Israel joy, but the whole world. You see, when Christians surrender their joy, it's usually because they've begun to focus on complaint and not promise. Let me give you some examples of that. All of us at some point in our life will probably go through some level of illness, right? And it's easy when we go through illness to complain about the illness, to complain about the impact of the illness, to, 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 to commiserate, <clears throat> excuse me. But it's also equally possible that in the midst of illness and pain and, and all those pieces that go with it to praise God for his promises. Another area where we'll see this is circumstances. If you're like me, you go through circumstances where you've got money and then you got no money, right? If you own a home, you got a lot of things that go bad. And so therefore you lose a lot of money because you're paying for a bunch of stuff. Or maybe you've gone through a season of retirement and there's not as much there. And it's very easy in that season, again, to complain instead of look towards God's promises. Maybe for you, it's politics. As you look at the political situation where you live, wherever you live in the world, wherever you live in this nation, you look at that and it, you really want to complain more than look toward God's promises. And that's how happiness is, 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 is stolen, but it's also how joy for a Christian is surrendered. You see, we should praise God in the midst of that. So let me give you some, some very tangible examples of this. When you're in your illness, regardless of how the illness will end, even if it would end in your death or a friend's death, as a Christian, you can praise God for eternal life. Because regardless of how an illness pans out, whether God heals someone from an illness, amen, or you go from here to eternity with Christ, you have a reason to praise God. Because unlike the rest of the world, you just don't die and it's over. You die and you're with Christ. And that's a reason to praise in the midst of any situation. Because you have victory even over death through Jesus. In circumstances and where money is tight, or maybe you're going through a difficult season, loss of a job, here's the reality. You have to praise God for his sufficiency because I've learned he always shows up and he always gives me what I need. And that's just reality. In the area of politics, when you're going through and looking at the messiness of the world and the messiness of the leaders that we have, you should praise God for the abundant life that he gives to you and provides to you, especially through connection of a local church. And also praising that he never leaves you. He never forsakes you, unlike the politicians we have in the lives around us many times. Here's a question. In your life, do you more notice the things to complain about? Or do you find that the things that normally lead you to complaint give you a reason to praise? And that's one of the ways that you can see joy in your life. The second thing is when we praise God, we should praise him for his inclusion. Praise him for his inclusion. 
And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up and who will rise, <laughs> and one who will rise to rule over the nations. And I love this, this verse, the Gentiles will hope in him. The Gentiles, you know, people like me, non-Jewish people. In other words, the very heart of joy is the inclusion of all people. It's at the very heart, regardless of what they make, regardless of their education, regardless of their intelligence, regardless of disabilities, regardless of nationality. At, at the very heart of this good news connected to joy in Advent is the inclusion of all people. But in a way you'll know where if you're really in this idea of inclusion so that joy can be rooted in your life is you got to look at the things that you praise for. Look at the things that you notice. Look toward the things that you go, that's awesome. And what we know about at least the American nation is typically the things, this is through a Gallup poll recently, when we look at the people we praise and the things we praise, what we've learned about who we are is we praise for charisma. We, that's what we praise. We praise people that have the charisma about them. Typically, we praise people that have power. They're in positions of power. We're drawn to that. Typically, we praise people for wealth. That's very attractive to us. Or a big one among younger people is fame. You know, your TikTok you know, account or, or, you know, your YouTube account and the subscriptions that you have. And a lot of times we, we praise people for creativity. That's how artists uh, and even athletes kind of get those elevations. And because we praise them and we look at them in such a way, a lot of times what we don't realize we're doing is we're creating an exclusive circle and that people outside of those areas of achievement don't belong in it. One of the things that I love about our heart as a denomination, our heart as a church is how we want people to not only be included, but how we are grounded that the gospel is for all people. It's for all people. And during this season, we're going to take up a special offering called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. This offering is to ensure that the good news of who Christ is, is uh, given to people who are missionaries all around the world who continue to share this news in every nation to every people. And the reality is, is in many of those nations, joy is a struggle because of persecution. Watch this brief video. And as you watch it, think about, think about how many people, their joy is trying to be stolen because of persecution. Watch this video. Thank you. 
Now, it's very easy to think about someone who's under persecution. They might even lose their life, that can't meet, or the government controls the very facet of how they meet. And what I've learned when I've been on mission trips, especially to places like this, and it surprises me, but it shouldn't surprise me, is generally their joy is greater than Americans' joy. It's greater than the nation in which I live because our focus is on the wrong things. And I love the fact that they're so included in the family of God that they give you and I a perspective on what joy should look like, even when you don't have all the trappings and all the stuff you should have. And that's one of the reasons why inclusiveness is such an important part of the gospel. It's such an important part of the good news as we celebrate Advent. Hey, as you think about that, um, I'd love for you to give to the you know Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering. You can do that by hitting the give button um, and just picking that in the drop down. But don't just give to it. Pray about is God asking you to go, either on a short term missionary trip, or is God asking you to actually become an international missionary, or maybe even God's asking you to be called to be a pastor or a leader in His church. And if you begin to sense that God's stirring that way, let us know because we're very inclusive in that and we want to equip people to grow. Also, praise God for the hope which fills us with peace and joy. Praise Him for the hope that fills us with peace and joy. 13 says, may the God of hope, look at this, fill you with all peace or all joy and peace. You see, God fills us with hope when there is no hope, when you see no hope, where you lack a sense of hope. When you're in despair, when something's going on that you can't figure out, that you can't understand, when you don't see what the future of our nation or your nation will look like, there's hope. When you see that you're unemployed and you're not sure where you're going to get employment or where, how you're going to feed your family, there's hope. When you're in a, a relational situation that you can't even think about how it's going to resolve, there's hope. Because when you begin to refocus on hope, you're filled with the very presence of Christ. And that's how you're filled with joy and filled with his peace. So when you focus on the hope that you have in Jesus, it changes how you can navigate everything. There was a psychological experiment done years ago. It's a very interesting one with rats. Okay, I don't know why rats are always the poor, poor animals people experiment on. But the interesting thing about this experiment was that they took a rat and they put it in a bucket. And generally within a few minutes, most rats, whether they were domesticated or wild, would drown. Okay? Now, before you get freaking out and call PETA, uh, generally they pulled them out, but they waited until they were about to drown. The other part that was interesting about the experiment as they did the experiment was the, the rats that they pulled out of the water right before they drowned and right before they were ready to give up, they dried them off, warmed them up, spent a little time with them, and then they put them back in the water. Now, you would think this would be demoralizing and that the rat would probably give up sooner, but the opposite happened. What actually happened was the rats that were pulled out and dried off and put back in actually began to swim and tread water for hours and hours, not minutes. And the reason that the psychologists and the researchers developed an idea of why this happened was they had this reality now that if they just held out long enough, rescue was coming. In other words, there's hope. And that hope gives a calm and a peace and even a joy in the midst of a difficult situation. This is what's grounded in the idea 
of Christmas and being a Christian that when you cling to the hope that is only present in the person of Christ, joy and peace become a reality for you and I. You know, if you ever go through suicide prevention, and I, and I know if you're, by the way, if you're thinking about suicide, contemplating suicide, or you know someone who is suicidal, the first thing I want you to know is there's hope. There's hope in Christ. If you're watching this right now and you're even thinking about it or you're down or you're depressed, there is hope. Because one of the things that we're taught, and I'll tip my hand to you, is that when you're talking to someone who is suicidal, that's struggling with the emotion of that, that you have to help them understand that there's hope. Just like the rat in the bucket. If there's hope, we can hold on. And the reality that I want you to be able to see, that I want you to be able to understand is there's hope because Christ has purchased it for you and I. His coming brings hope. And as long as we have hope, we can navigate any situation, any problem. Fourth thing when it comes to this idea of understanding why we should praise God and what it does with regard to joy is we have to praise God for his trustworthiness. As we learn to praise God for his trustworthiness, then we begin to actually understand joy. I love this in verse 13 where it says, as you trust him. You see, you need to understand how to trust God. How do you do that? Well, you have to learn how to do little things with God that then grow into big things. Because I've learned that God is trustworthy. He always shows up. He always delivers. It's not always the way I expect, but he does always show up. And that trust is built over time. I'll never forget when I stepped down from a church that was a very good church and it had provided a very good salary for me. And as I stepped down from that church, I learned very quickly, I had no job, had no place to go, no way to make income. And I was completely dependent on God. And people were like, how could you do that? How could you put your family at such risk? And it's because over and over and over again, more than one time when I quit being an engineer to become a pastor, God had showed up and showed me he always provided for my needs. He always did. Every single time. Now, it took a lot of times me uh, trimming my bills. It took a lot of times me changing my lifestyle. But every time God showed up, and because of that, because I know that God shows up every time, I learned that he was trustworthy. God always fulfills his promises. You know, our church right now, if you're watching online or maybe you, you, you attend it uh, every once in a while, our church is going through quite a few different seasons of change. Some of those changes are very difficult. They're very challenging. But what I know about the season of change that our church is going through is that God will be there and God will give us what we need to navigate those areas of change. There was a couple of weeks as we were going through some difficult loss of a couple of leaders that I was pretty down, I was pretty dejected. And what gave me hope what gave me joy, what brought finally peace to me was as I meditated and remembered how faithful God is. He's always faithful. He's so trustworthy. You know, mankind may let you down. The government may let you down. A friend might let you down. A spouse might even let you down. But here's, here, church, hear this. God never lets you down. He is trustworthy. And as I talked to my wife about this, as we prayed about some of the challenges that our church is facing in this season, we got excited. And some people were like, why would you go from that to excitement? I mean, nothing has changed about the circumstance as of yet. 
The reason we got excited is every time that this has happened where we faced a trial or a situation or change, God has showed us the pathway forward and he showed up in such a trustworthy way. And every time what he's given us, which we would have never seen and never thought of on our own, has been so much better. And because he's been so trustworthy in the past, I'm now I'm excited about this challenge because I'm waiting to see how his trustworthiness will manifest in this new season. And that's what he wants to do in your life. Regardless of what you're going through, you need to understand he is trustworthy. You can lay all your cares upon him. The fifth thing of why we should praise God, which will bring joy to us, is we need to praise God for his indwelling presence, his very indwelling spirit. I love this in verse 13, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things that the Holy Spirit did in my life, and I've shared this with some of you, not all of you know this, was uh, my dad left when I was 14, but when he left, I hardened my heart, especially toward relationships. And I remember I didn't cry anymore. Like I, I quit crying. I, had, I didn't have the ability to cry. I just didn't have a very tender heart. I was a very hard-hearted kid. And that lasted until the age of 17. And at 17 is when I, I made a decision for Christ, that I, I put all of my hope and all my trust in him. And as I did that, I didn't know this would happen. His indwelling spirit came in me. The Holy Spirit came to reside and live in my life and in my heart. And when that happened, I cried for the first time since I was 14. I wept. I laughed. I was overwhelmed by the very presence of God. And that's one of the things that God wants in our lives is his indwelling spirit to be there as a part of our worship and our praise of him. And now it's even got me to the point that I'm very tender and emotional about certain things. And I never was that way as a younger man. And it's because of his indwelling presence, he continues to take away what the the Old Testament says. He takes out the heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh. That's the reality that he wants to do for you. Where things have been difficult, where things have been hard, where life has ground away, he wants to help you to be tender through his indwelling spirit. Another way I saw this happen was in leadership one day. And, and you need to understand that the Holy Spirit, when he lives in you, speaks to you. He talks to you through strong impressions, not an audible voice like I'm speaking to you, but through an impression that you begin to learn spiritually is the presence of God in your life. Never forget, I was bicycling way out in the middle of nowhere, and God began to remind me that he's the one who plants churches. He's the one who decides what fields where the where seed is to be scattered, which is the gospel, and where that will flourish and where that will grow. And as he reminded me of that, through the Holy Spirit, through a direct impression, it gave me great peace in the season of my life. Because no matter what you're going through, his indwelling presence will guide you, speak to you, and comfort you, regardless of what you're going through. So this week, here's my challenge to you and to our church. Praise praise Christ daily for how he is saved, how he's saving, and who he will one day save. That's the reality. Because the reality is, is people need to be saved from this world's deep, dark despair. And where that happens, gosh, joy abounds. And God wants that for you and I. And when we have that joy, we can't wait to share it. If you've never committed to and you've never been able to find that joy, 
I want you to find that this day as you watch. The way you do that is by beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. You do that through the admission of your sin. You do that through the sole belief in who he is, that he died for your sins and my sins when he died a hard death on the cross, when he gave his life as a ransom for you and I, and then you commit to live for him. You can pray that at any time, whether it's here at a church service or right where you are at home right now. Just reach out to God, admit your sin. Believe only on what Christ has done, that he died for you in your place and commit your life to him. When you invite him to do that and he comes into your life, he will forever change who you are and the direction of your life. And you'll never be without joy and you'll never be without peace. This life will bring problems and tribulations, but you'll never be without those two things because he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. I ask your blessing over each and every person listening and watching. I pray that they'll put their hope and their trust in Christ alone, in his coming, not only at Christmas, but his coming into their lives personally. And that because of that, as we trust you to change the world that we live in, that you will give us a deep-seated joy that no one can steal and no one can rob. And I pray that we'll hold on to that joy through hope in you and that it'll never be surrendered. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed with me, make sure you fill out an online connect card. Uh, Dan will put that up there for you. Um, fill out your connect card each week. It's one of the ways we know who you are, know what's going on in your life, and know how we can connect with you specifically. So make sure you fill out the connect card. And uh, make sure if you're planning a Christ, uh, to attend Christmas Eve, just know that we're going to have uh, three different types of services on Christmas Eve. We'll have an online service at 6 p.m. only. So if you're wanting to do online only, you can do 6 p.m. We'll also have an in-person service here in Seaford at 4 and 6 p.m. The two services are different just because of the nature of the technology to get that stuff out. Uh, but both types of services, the online and then the in-person, will be really good. And so I want you to be able to participate. If you're online only, make sure you invite friends. Do a watch party. Watch them at your house. Watch them together online. Uh, do whatever you need to invite people to the service because they're going to hear the good news of who Jesus is. And if you're close enough that you want to travel and be here in person, again, 4 and 6 p.m., we'll have a service here. Hey, have a blessed week and a blessed day. And it is our prayer that as you walk through any despair or anything that's grinding away at who you are, that you will find the hope and the joy is only in Christ Jesus. Have a blessed week and have a blessed day.